Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello. Welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. We're back for another special episode today. Uh, I have Kate here. Say hello, hello Kate. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, a little bit of a different different surprise today. We're going to be talking a little bit more about COVID today uh, with a larger group uh, that group. we record, a big group of seven people that we recorded earlier today. Uh, we will introduce all of them in the next segment, but uh, before we do that, Kate, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I want to tell everyone that when I used to talk about this group of people, I called it the super secret WhatsApp chat group that I'm in, and so now we're just like blowing the lid off that super secret. We're totally public now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. and we'll explain more about this group uh, later, but it's one that we are daily communicating with, and we all, I think, I would say this, keep each other sane as much yeah. as possible, and the good gut check, gut check group that could come out really wrong. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. I think with all COVID-related stuff, it's really important to date and time the recording. So this is Wednesday afternoon. It'll hopefully be out Thursday morning, uh, and we hope you in, in, enjoy it. And we'll be back out Monday with our first actual episode that we recorded like a week and a half ago, yes. uh, which got delayed due to the COVID episode uh, this past Monday. And uh, I think um, maybe next week we're going to have, we'll do that episode and maybe another one and we'll call it a COVID free zone. Yeah. We did this first episode without really knowing how big this was going to get really fast. So it's a COVID free zone, free episode. So hopefully people can take a little respite, have a little fun with it, and then uh, we can jump back into some of the super sad, tragic news that we're going through. Because I just learned a few minutes ago that Minnesota has 2,000 applications for unemployment an hour. An hour. Whoa. Yeah. I've been a little afraid to um, start looking at Oregon specifically around that if they're even available yeah it, it's pretty dire out there but hopefully you guys will hear from team halfwit and enjoy their knowledge and their commiseration if you will about around this topic because we really do care seriously about all y'alls out there and understand how difficult this must be at this point in time yeah so without further ado team halfwit all right, welcome back to the podcast. We have a very, very different and very, very exciting segment for you now. This is what we're going to call Team Halfwit Rides Again. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Team Halfwit is a group of attorneys and professionals in all sorts of different areas that we get together and we talk uh, over WhatsApp. And uh, we thought it would be great to have everybody on the podcast. We're all sitting at home and we're all kind of bored. Uh, <laughs> We've got plenty of work to do, but we're all going a little stir crazy. We've never actually done this before with sound and over the internet and video and all of this. So some of us are actually seeing each other for the first time, which is great. 
we've been doing this for over three years. So uh, I thought I'd run through first and just introduce everybody, uh, and you can say hi. Uh, so first, I want to introduce John Hyman. John, of course, is a former guest of the podcast. He's an employment lawyer and partner at Myers, Roman, Friedberg, and Lewis in Cleveland, Ohio. He's the author of the venerable Ohio Employer Law Blog, also now rebranded as the Coronavirus Law Blog. <laughs> because nothing else really matters right now anyway. So really? <laughs> there is no the other hell? law right now. No, it's that's just about Corona it. Law. Uh, you might remember him from prior guest appearances on the podcast talking about his worst employer of the year contest, and we are going to look forward to that again later this year. It may be the worst COVID employer of the year, but we'll... I'm waiting for those stories, unfortunately. They're yeah. coming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, second is uh, Tracy Conan is a forensic accountant and founder of Sequence Inc. Forensic Accounting in Wisconsin. She assists with financial analysis in situations in which fraud is suspected. She's an investigator, blogger, speaker, and author, and um, our resident snarker. Um, I think we're all snarker, but like, oh that's why I fit um, in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next, we have Jeff Nowak. Jeff uh, is known to many uh, of us uh, even before we started doing this. Uh, he's an employment lawyer and shareholder in Chicago at Littler Mendelssohn, which is the world's largest employment and labor firm. He's widely recognized as a leading scholar and practitioner uh, on the FMLA. I am not going to say FEMLA. <laughs> no. no, 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 uh, no, no. Even though it, it hurts to say the letters. Uh, his his blog, FMLA Insights, is on my quick reference tab, since if it's FMLA-related and Jeff hasn't covered it there, it's probably not a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. FMLA himself. Yes. Thanks, uh, <laughs> Next, we've got Suzanne Lucas. Uh, Suzanne is in Basel, Switzerland. Did I say that right? Basel. Nope, Basel. Basel. Basel, Switzerland. She is, of course, an HR guru and another former guest of the podcast. She's widely known to one and all as the evil HR lady. The prolific writer, her articles appear regularly in Inc.com, amongst many other publications. Uh, last, but certainly not least, we have Daniel Schwartz, also a former podcast guest. There's kind of a theme here. He's an employment attorney at Shipman and Goodwin and the author of the Connecticut Employment Law Blog. He is also, like me, a fellow graduate of Washington University and St. Louis School of Law, which obviously mm -hmm. makes us the two coolest ones here. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, Mark. Yes. And Dan has the illustrious title for me as everyone's favorite doomsday lawyer, um, of which I've had to apologize to Dan profusely because he was right. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was warning us about this two months ago, and we were all like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever." Are you broadcasting? Are. Are, are you broadcasting from from your panic room, Dan? <laughs> I, I, I am. I can show you my bunker that we have Excellent. loaded with I can't, supplies. I can't, wait, I can't wait for the tour. It's like Costco. Yeah, it's the law in Switzerland. You have to have one. I have one. Wait, are are you the guy that had the seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer? <laughs> Only five. <laughs> <laughs> Only five. <laughs> okay. So I thought we could start off here. Uh, we all have a lot of in jokes. We talk all the time, but I thought it would be good. I gave a little bit of a preview of this, but somebody other than me should talk here. What? How did? What is Team Halfwit? How did we come about? 
And how did we get the name Halfwit? Well, we, we started just by reading and sharing each other's stuff on LinkedIn. And at some point in time, and I don't remember what the post was, but some crazy lady started trolling. I, 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 don't, remember the, I don't remember whose post it was or what, what the content was or whatever, but she started just spamming content after content after content. And the rest of us kind of looped in to have each other's backs as she was trashing us in the comments. And at some point, she said something like, oh, now I see you got all your half-wit friends to attack me. And shortly after that, we blocked her. It died. But then we renamed our little, what's, our little WhatsApp chat group Team Halfwit. And here we are. So, Yeah. And we, we go by the half-wits. We call ourselves that. And, I, you know, with the seven of us, it's, it's at least three and a half-wit. At least. <laughs> so I thought I would just throw some general questions out there. We're all talking coronavirus all the time right now. So... I think that that's really where we want to spend our time and our, where our, our listeners will get the most value out of this conversation. Um, but I thought I'd just start off. So, I mean, how's everybody feeling? Like, do you think we're settling into the new normal? Are we still a ways off from settling into the new normal? Is there a lot more to come? Where do we see ourselves a few weeks out from now? Dan should go last. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dan should go last. Yeah. Tracy, where, where do you think? Oh, boy. You know, I would like to think that within a couple of weeks, things are going to be not nearly as bad as everyone's predicting. And I, I feel like we would sort of uh, have a better better feeling of where we're going to be. You know, right now, it just seems like so many unknowns. And I'm hoping within a couple of weeks, we'll have a little better idea of where this is all going. I personally, I'm a little bothered that, you know, things are being canceled for May and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I realize it's possible that we could still be in the thick of a lot of illness then, but I'm kind of saying, you know, we're only about a week into the panic. Why don't we just give it another week or two before we start canceling all these May things? And what I'm thinking about is the financial impacts on so many people. Events in May, if there's a way that they can go on safely and, and the illnesses are really under control, et cetera, I'd like to see those events go forward because it impacts so many people financially from business owners all the way down to the frontline workers who are counting on that income. And so I wish that we would be taking a, a little, a little more of a wait and see attitude with some of the events. On the other hand, I understand that people are trying to be as cautious as possible. Yeah. I'm really concerned about the financial impact. And my brother today said something that all of the, the old people are ignoring the warnings and going out to Costco no matter what. And the young people are panicking and losing their jobs. And that really seems like something we should be thinking about. And I know we really had to beat into our parents' heads. You guys are the ones at risk. Please stay home. Well, especially when you see Mnuchin out in front of the Senate talking about 20% unemployment if we don't do things to get the economy moving in a different direction in short order which is, I mean, that's like 20% employment is like panic territory, right? If uh, one out of every five workers is out of work, I mean, that's like something we haven't seen in a hundred years, so. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, I, I've, as Kate said, I, I've sort of seen this, this coming, though, you know, once I got past my freakout stage, um, I think you can sort of start to um, put some uh, bumpers around it. Um, I do think the next month uh, to two months is going to be very rough. Uh, I think Connecticut and New York, this area, Washington State, I know, has seen it. 
Um, we're already a few weeks, I think, ahead of where some parts of the nation are. Um, you know, our kids have, are, are home from school, our restaurants and bars are closed. Um, and we've already seen in the last five days over 30,000 unemployment claims uh, that have been filed. And just to give you a perspective, that's all of the job gains that um, were made over the last five years in Connecticut. So as a number, it's huge. Um, and, and I think we're going to see really tough times um, for a good, um, good part of the year. Unfortunately, we may get out of this wave by, by hopefully by May or June. Um, but you know, another wave probably comes in in the fall. So I think the uncertainty right now is really, really tough for, for everyone. John, your state, Ohio, is kind of leading the way on a lot of this, which kind yeah. of surprised me. How DeWine is the wine is taking no prisoners. Um, I think he is, he's gotten very aggressive with his um, closures of just about everything today. I, the, the news today was salons and spas um, are closing. We have a family member that owns a, a hair salon. Um, like all of her workers are, you know, they work, they live paycheck to paycheck, and now they have no income for God knows how long. I have a lot of musician friends, the same thing. They live, you know, paycheck to paycheck or gig to gig, and they are out of work now and, and, don't know when they're going to be able to get back to work again um, with the bars, restaurants, clubs. Um, now we've had bowling alleys and trampoline parks and water parks. And there's not, aside from retail, there's not much, and offices, there's not much left in the state that's open, um, at least from a public facing standpoint. And so he's been very aggressive, I think, looking at what's happened in New York and Connecticut and Washington and saying Ohio doesn't want to get there. So we're going to do what we can to try and, to try and stem this tide while we can. But I, but there is a but there is a clear economic there is a clear economic impact of that. And and we're you know, we're seeing this gotcha. we're, we're we're seeing this firsthand right as as management attorneys as HR professionals uh, it, it's just decimated you know we're seeing our clients the money is just not coming in the door we're literally shutting the doors so many of our clients but then that leads to just oodles of people out of work and so th there is that that uh, that desperate feeling right now that kind of hopeless feeling right now I'm, I'm 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 keeping my own hope up for two three four weeks from now that i, that I hope we can see some signs that that uh, you know that we begin to see some light at the end of the tunnel we see a path forward um but it, it's it's gonna it's gonna require us to all have a bit of common sense empathy for uh, fellow employees and, and human beings and, and together to get through this. So. You know, I, I can appreciate the people who have been saying for the last several days that I want to get out and support local businesses, et cetera. And, and while that sentiment is uh, really well intended, I think from a behavior standpoint and a control of the sickness standpoint, it wasn't a good idea. And I think we completely need to buckle down uh, as a society, voluntarily, right, to control this thing. And, you know, I've, I, I too have, you know, musician friends and such who are all out of work, and they're looking for other opportunities to earn some income. And a couple of them have uh, done, you know, virtual concerts where they've allowed people to tip them via Venmo and things like that. And, and that's great. And it's sort of inspiring. I don't think that it's a, a long term financial solution for them, though. And it's not something that people are going to keep contributing to. And so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate if 
I've been a solo practitioner for 20 years. And at this moment, I've never been so happy to be solo and to not have someone else's family and livelihood and well-being on the line by virtue of depending on me for a paycheck. Definitely. I'm in your same boat and I am so thrilled. My clients are looking at, do we furlough? Do we lay off? What can we do? Do we offer a severance? And if we do, do we really want to wait? Have In Minnesota, we have a lot of waiting periods. So if you have the 21-day consideration period, 45 if we're doing it as a layoff, and then we have a 15-day rescission period. So if we were going to wait until all of those things have exhausted, that's 60 days without any necess- any pay. Whereas we can say, we're not going to do a severance agreement. We're just going to pay a whole bunch of COBRA, go on unemployment now so you can get those benefits as of day one because Minnesota expanded unemployment significantly. I mean, it is turning what we would normally say is the most compassionate thing and flipping it completely on its head so that people have cash in their hand and they can do what they need to do to get through this. But meanwhile, they're not working. And what are we going to do while they're not working? And, you know, I have never been more grateful for teachers in my entire life than I am right now. (laughs) Oh, me too. (laughs) Yeah. And if to the extent that we can keep people busy, I mean, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like they're being idle and waste, you know, wasting their time. This is a real tragedy for a lot of people. And what can we do to make it better is what we're looking at. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is, or the end point of that is, so when we come out the other side, which will be at some point this year, everyone's out of work or a lot of people are out of work. And what does the economy look like at that point? And what job does the people have to go back to? Because if, mm-hmm. if it's not just a furlough or a, le- or a layoff, but it's a closure because the company can't stay in business anymore, then they have no job to go back to either. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a long road and it's going to take a lot of ev- all of us, all of us, right, as a country or Suzanne as a world, right, working together to figure, figure this out. This is not going to be any easy solutions here. Yeah, I, I think just to pick up on Jeff's point, too, I think once we start to see coordination of various states, of uh, various nations, of both on testing um, and on sort of solutions, uh, whether it's treatments that, that are being tested out right now, I think once the medical side can, can start to either get under control or people feel like there's some solutions out there, that'll help businesses. I think the uncertainty right now is just far far too great. And I'm hearing businesses going, we're, at, we're out right now. This is too much uh, to bear. And um, some of the, the ones that rely on events, the restaurants say, you know, we, we, um, we would like to pay our people, but right now this is just survival of our business or, or a potential business in the future. One of our large, really large regional restaurant and hospitality chains here yesterday laid off 3,000 employees. Wow. And it's a question for me, going back to what John was saying, once things kind of normalize again and we can actually go out and frequent places like that, how long before they actually can bring most of those individuals back when if, if unemployment's still at 15 or 20 percent, if it, you know, people aren't going to have the dollars to go spend there anyway, but they're going to have to contract. I mean, so those jobs don't just come back when things normalize. And for me, that's that's a concern around you know, how long is the recovery trajectory from this? So 
I'd love to ask, uh, and I'm going to. This is also this Chipper, me. man, oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is supposed to be a lighthearted podcast. People. Yeah. Lighthearted. John Sorry. He was going to drop some f bombs here, and I haven't heard any yet. And should, I'm we talk, just... should we talk? Should we? Should we? Should we talk about the if you got laid off from McDonald's but want to do porn for a living? Email that oh. Suzanne and I both got today. Please. Because that. Tell, tell us about that we can email. we can lighten that up. Suzanne and I both got the same email within like 30 seconds of each other from somebody saying that if you've just been tar targeting McDonald's workers, right? And if you just got laid off from your job at McDonald's um, and you want to earn, we can replace up to 90% of your income by coming and doing porn for us. So do, how many McDonald's folks, I don't know how many McDonald's workers have listened to your podcast. So if I'm going to offend them, I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's nobody I've seen that works at McDonald's that I want to see do porn. <laughs> oh, oh, John. John. You, you're going to edit that out, right? <laughs> no, I, everything stays in. Everything stays in. Yeah, you might fast. remember in the old days with Dennis, we would always say, "Oh, we'll we'll, we'll just edit that out." It, yeah, no, that's good. It never good. gets edited out. Nah, we're good. Because those are the those are the best part. <laughs> nah, nah, we're good. I trust you. <laughs> that's your first mistake. <laughs> Big time. Big time. I hate speaking of that. This is not as bad as well. Maybe worse than I don't know. What's worse than porn? <laughs> Um, the multi-level marketing people are out in full force too, uh, saying, if you've lost your job, then come join me at, and I'm not going to name a specific one because I don't want to say something that's not true, but they're out there saying, come okay, the Mary Kay ladies are all doing it. I'll say it. You will. <laughs> Mary Kay, you said? Yes. <laughs> are they pushing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and it's, you know, everyone's sitting at home and they all need to make money. It's absolutely immoral. Um, it's they're vultures, and and I can understand how, from their standpoint, they may have convinced themselves that they're doing something positive and giving someone an opportunity. You know, trying to help people out, but it's terrible. It's it's terrible because they're not going to make any money at it. Um, the only way you make money in an MLM is to get a downline, and now it's not the time to do that. And it's yeah, it's I think it's immoral for them to be pushing it right now. Well. And we have a hard time making sure that Mark is wearing pants for the podcast. And so whether or not he puts makeup on is an entirely different question. That's true. So. That's true. I Hold on. Are you going to pan that camera down, down, Mark? Let's see. Oh, he's got jeans on. I'm so glad you're wearing pants. I, I think John's got pajama bottoms on, though. No? Jeans. Probably. What? Mm. Jeans. <laughs> nice. Jeans. No socks wait, wait, wait. for jeans. Wait, I got, I got the uh, the jeans as well. Jeans, nice. jeans as well. Jeans nice on top. So jeans wait, below. Are we all proving that we're not pantsless now? No. <laughs> we haven't seen Jeff yet. I'm not. I'm, I am wearing I'm pants, but I don't feel the need to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm confident there's a littler rule about what him wearing pants. So. <laughs> <laughs> Likely is somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, I'm curious. So, uh, what are you seeing around leaves of absence right now? Uh, FMLA issues, and and how do we? I think as part of this conversation, how do we want to tie in what we think the legislation that's about to come out and be passed? How does that factor into all of this? Well. There's so many questions right now. I guess the, the most difficult question that I'm getting from my clients, and I'm sure many of you are, the situation where an employee is not showing symptoms, perhaps has an underlying medical condition, but wants leave from work 
because they're scared. They're worried about um, their own well-being in the workplace. So I've got clients in droves coming to me now and asking me, how do we handle that situation? Do we do we force them to stay at work? Do we give them leave? Do we pay them? So many different questions that employers are, are working through right now. You know, I think employers, first of all, need to understand that there is a panic right now. People are worried about the unknown. Um, so they're going to get these kinds of questions. Um, unfortunately, I've gotten these questions from a number of healthcare employers. So, uh, you know, these are your first responders. These are your healthcare providers who we need them. We kind of need them running into the fire, right? We need them on the job. And so it's particularly difficult for these kinds of employers to provide leave when they need these folks at work, taking care of patients, taking care of the sick. Um, but these are these are the, the um, environments where, of course, people are most prone to becoming infected with with the coronavirus. So, I mean, these are some of the tough questions that we're grappling with right now. I'm trying to, um, with 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 clients, uh, bring them to some point of common sense, of of empathy, um, trial periods of okay, a, a couple of days of leave. Can you work with the employee? Can you find some accommodation that would work for them and and you, but these are tough questions. And uh, thankfully, most of my far majority of my clients are um, are empathetic in the sense that they're providing that leave, they're allowing paid leave. There are a number of employers. You know, the good news about this is a number of employers out there who are uh, creating buckets of time uh, of paid leave for their employees to use in all kinds of situations like these. So. There's great stories out there that are uh, some some of which are being told, others are not being told. But um, you know, by and large, I've, I've been I've been proud of of how employers are are generally handling this and standing by their employees. Yeah, I want to hug every HR person I know because all of them are just like, oh, this is so hard. And yeah, it is. And because we have so much uncertainty, we just can't give this is exactly what you should do in this case. So I want to give them all a hug. That's Amen. Properly, Amen, sister. Yeah. From a distance. Yeah, appropriately yeah. socially yeah. distant hug. A, so, a socially but... distant appropriate hug, yeah. 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 At least a seven foot away hug, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's Kate, it's funny you say that because I've, I've had a couple of calls with, with clients today and my first question to them um, is really, how are you doing? Um, because I, I, I think, you know, you can, take a step back and look at the numbers and everything else, but um, it's really impacting people both personally and professionally. Uh, we're all trying to balance our families, if, um, you know, worry about parents, um, all of those things, and, and you're having everything happen at once. And so for employers, what Jeff was talking about, I think people are, are just trying to, to get through. And um, I think most people are trying to do right um, by each other. Uh, because they know at some point, hopefully, there'll be a turnaround and they're going to need employees. Um, so I think there's a balance to be to be had. And I've, I've certainly told employers time and again, uh, sort of throw out your handbook right now in terms of PTO policy. It doesn't cover what you're talking about here. And try to figure out some new rules. And you're going to be changing it. We've changed our advice three times over the last two weeks on this issue. And I expect um, I expect there will be um, there will be more um, as well. So be flexible and be understanding. 
and it's devastating. And I, had a, I had a call with a client um, shortly after she had, in the hospitality industry, shortly after she had to lay off 90% of her employees. And just to hear just the, just her heart breaking over the phone uh-huh. with her understanding that through no fault of anybody's own, that these people all just lost their livelihoods, at least in the short term. It's, it's just a devastating call to, to, to be on either side of the call. And I just feel so badly for the position that people are in um, having to make communications like that to people and feeling responsible, um, even though this, I mean, there, there is no responsibility here. And I think those stories are going to be all too common. Mm-hmm. Continuing. <laughs> um, what trends would you all say you're seeing with clients around social distancing to implement that in the workplace? So uh, a couple of thoughts. Uh, I'll credit Kate with these uh, in terms of when we were brainstorming here before. Uh, uh, do we see split shifts helping every other day production schedules or having half, half the crew on and half the crew off and kind of trying to figure out ways to put more distance? Are you seeing any particular trends or themes or, or anything creative or original coming from your clients in terms of how they're trying to manage a workforce that has to be there in person, but they can't work from home, but uh, trying to still implement social distancing in the workplace? Well, I am well, seeing the- people doing <laughs> good. 50% comes in on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and 50% comes in Tuesday and Thursday, and then they switch and working from home, trying to give everybody um, some, I'm seeing some of that. Of course, office workers, I'm seeing everybody go home, which um, is great, not just for the coronavirus, but because it's finally forcing some of those old school managers to realize that you don't have to have your butt in the seat to be productive. But the downside of that is everybody's got their kids home from school and dang it, my kids are old. They are 16 and 11 and a half and they are annoying the crap out of me. Um, (laughs) They cannot leave me alone. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason I, why we all leave the house at seven in the morning yeah. and reconvene yeah. it for dinner at six o'clock at night. So. Yeah. And no, then you they, love each other, right? We do. Dearly, dearly. And, and I'm afraid that these old school managers are going to be like, well, you got a lot done, but every time I called you, I could hear your kids in the background. And right. I just want to scream, this is not normal. Um, right. Normally when you work from home, your kids are at school or they are at daycare. Right. Um and you're not trying to balance all of those things. So I just want managers to be cautious. Look at the work product. It's going to be less because of the kids, because of the stress. Okay, I am not sleeping. <laughs> no, I was going to ask that. How is everybody sleeping? Because I'm not sleeping real well either. No, no. And Suzanne, I, I'm totally with you there. The this idea that you should maintain a same schedule and make sure that you get up and you get dressed and all that kind of stuff. For a lot of people right now, that's out the window. Um, we're learning how to work from home for the first time for a lot of them. And so, yeah, it might make sense to get up at six and plan to be in front of your at your kitchen table with your laptop by seven. But there's lots of other things going on around us. And so that making sure managers touch base with people, but then also give them grace to say, I got to take my kids for a walk because they're driving me crazy or I need to exercise them a little bit, that kind of thing. 
So the I love the tips that we've been seeing from a whole bunch of different people, but it's going to have to work for every individual and we can't take a cookie cutter approach to what this looks like. So. No. Yeah. And, and being part of an expat community myself, none of us have relatives around to help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that are living in the same neighborhood where they grew up and they have their mother and their sister and everybody's down the block. That's super. My community doesn't have that. And we're also cautioned not to send our kids over to grandma's anyway, because right. our kids are little disease vectors and grandma's at risk. So um, it's it's such a big problem. And this isn't answering your question. We went the total different way. Sorry, this is not creative. <laughs> but this is what I see happening is everybody's trying so hard. And I see every business trying. I don't see any business just being like, ugh, forget it. Um, they're trying and they're trying everything that they can and it's hard. Yeah. I, you know, I think the, um, it's interesting over the last couple of days, I've heard different businesses and law firms doing different things. I think some have moved very rapidly. I know my firm, we've moved over the weekend to a pure remote model, um, and, and are bringing some staff in on staggered, uh, shifts to get equipment to work from home in a way that we've never had before. But I think what was said earlier is there are some businesses that, that can't do that and that you um, don't want to do. That some of the manufacturers that we really need to continue the su- supplies um, uh, for food and uh, other equipment that are needed, those still need to happen. So those workplaces, um, I've seen them now uh, go put put more people on different shifts. Um, you know, they may have only run a, a big first shift and a small second shift. Now you're you're doing two different shifts. Um, and I've also seen them um, really go to one week on, one week off, so as to not, um, to, to sort of get a little bit more continuity um, in, in the workplaces and, and sort of have one, one set of staff that won't be quarantined uh, if one one set does, um, whether that's going to work in in the long term remains to be uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I would say to answer your question, John, just how are we doing? You know, it's been an, I've been in an uncertain position for a couple of months anyway, and I've been coming to terms with that and trying to find my zen around it. Kate might disagree based on my texture, but uh, you know, trying to figure out what's next. So this just adds another layer of uncertainty on top of what was already uncertainty, but uh, you know, I can't say I'm sleeping the best I've ever slept, but it's also, it's also just kind of coming slowly and kind of coming at us one step at a time. And I'm trying to take a practical, like, it's all going to be okay. All of this is going to work out. The work will find its way to me for myself and, and some stability will find its way back to everybody eventually. So uh, I'm trying to stay zen, but having some Tylenol PM by the bedside doesn't hurt either. So um, I'm going to transition us into our last question here. And I'd, uh, I'm going to direct this towards Tracy first. Um, I want to put an optimistic lens on, on all of this, right? There's a lot of bad that we've been talking about here and a lot of uncertainty. Let's, let's put on our prognosticator hat and look a year out from now and say, okay, this is this has run its course. Hopefully, maybe there's a vaccine by then, you know, and it's life is getting back to normal. What good has come from this? What things have we seen? What laws have been passed? What 
societal changes are we seeing that are that are positives coming out of something that was clearly not good? And I get to start. Yeah, you get to start. <laughs> That's the easiest position to be in. So from from the moment that the the panic started uh, to come to a great frenzy, my first thought was. A year from now, the number of companies who are going to be more aggressively using remote workers is going to be up a lot. And, and I think that that's good for workers. If you think about the, you know, not having to commute and, and having a more flexible work situation, et cetera, that's got to be a good thing. And it's got to be good for companies as well. They save money on, on, you know, office space and all these kinds of things. And so I think that that's going to be something really great. I also am hopeful that a year from now, learning uh, for you know school-aged children as well as at the university level is going to be evolving because you know these schools are going to see uh, how much how how well they can use distance learning and and hopefully that'll develop as well. Well, and and um, I think we're going to see potentially more regulation. So you know we've got a, a bill pending in Congress now that's likely to be passed by the, by, by the Senate this afternoon, if it hasn't already passed, um, providing for paid leave, paid sick leave of some sort. When have we seen this before at the federal level? This is a pretty big deal. Is this going to stick long term? I, I wonder whether, is there going to be an appetite now for federally funded uh, paid leave or or mandates on employers to provide paid sick leave in the future. That's going to hinge in large part on what the White House and Congress look like after after the November elections, assuming we have November elections this year. Um, but uh, might might that kind of legislation and regulation stick long term? I'm I'm curious as to what we might see after December 31st after this proposed legislation sunsets. But you know, on the flip as side, we I also see the... some regulations going away. Um, one of the big ones that went away this week was um, to allow doctors to use Skype and other things to meet with patients. Um, that's going to really cut some healthcare costs if that can continue. Um, and that's important for all, all businesses. And the streamlining at the FDA as well to try to get these vaccines through. If we can get a safe vaccine in a streamlined process, maybe we can streamline some other things, which will also cut healthcare costs, which is a huge concern of every person in the United States. All of us. There's the woman everyone. with really good healthcare in her country. I have really good healthcare, but it's <laughs> private, by the way. <laughs> okay. Just everyone's always like, Europe has socialized medicine. And I say, not Switzerland. Ours is private. And it's awesome. But we're also very small and very rich. And by we, I mean, not me. I am not rich. I get paid in US dollars. <laughs> I'm very poor, but the rest of the country is rich. So it wasn't that long ago when I said to myself that what was going to bring our country together as a country was another like 9-11 type event. And I think we've hit that and surpassed that with this. Um, and we hear now people talking about things like, we need a World War II level national mobilization to get through this um, and come out okay on the other side. And so if any good is going to come of this, I think the one good thing is that through the pain and the suffering and the panic and everything else, it has finally, I think, started to heal some of the divide and maybe started to bring the country back 
together and curious to see if that lasts. And then on a more micro level, I think it's going to, for each of us, I think it's teaching us maybe we were moving a little too fast and to maybe take a step back and enjoy some of the just simplicity of daily life. We've been doing a lot of walks with the dogs around the neighborhood and in the parks. We've been having family game nights um, where we've been getting off technology and being together as a family. And, and so things like that, that I think have, um, where we, I think, have all moved way too fast and taken a lot for granted. I think we're going to be in a position where we're not going to be able to do that, at least in the short term. And again, to see where we are a year from now, if that, if that is still with us or, or we've gone back to the way we were. And the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, John, it's funny you say that because I was going to, I was thinking the same thing when I was taking a walk earlier that it, uh, there were no cars. It was just people walking a dog. And, and it reminds me of going, um, you know, this place called Sturbridge Village, which is a uh, Revolutionary War uh, type um, uh, out, uh, outing in Massachusetts, and it's quiet there. Um, you hear the kids playing and the dogs, and you don't hear the, the, the trucks going by and the cars going by. And, and that's not going to last, but I think those memories will. Um, and what I was struck by this is um, each of us has grown, grown up in various um, tragedies that have helped define us, whether it was remembering where we were on the Challenger explosion, 9-11 uh, for sure. Um, and I think um, it's going to have a huge impact on a generation of um, kids and um, 20-somethings who I think will be um, coming out of this in a way that we can't even imagine right now. But the ideas and the, the enthusiasm and the, hey, we don't want this to happen again um, approach um, leaves me actually very optimistic in the long term that this will, um, this will have some, some uh, fantastic impact uh, for us as, for as much pain as we're going to go through over the next year. I think we should end on that note. Well said. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fantastic. I want to thank all of you for agreeing to do this. We talk all the time, but this is this is different, and it's super great for me. It's been the highlight of my day for certain. Um, normally, this is where when we have a guest, I would be like, let's all talk about how you can find us on social media. But with seven of us, I think that's probably a bit much. So what I'm going to do is drop everybody's links and bios and Twitters and everything's into the show notes that attach to this. Uh, and that way you can find everybody if you uh, are looking for them on social media. Uh, again, thanks to this entire team of Halfwit for joining us today. And Thank you, guys. Uh, Kate and I will be back in just a minute with a, a listener story. So, awesome. All right. Welcome back. That was a great conversation, wasn't it, Kate? Yes, it was awesome. I love those guys. I, I really do, too. And if you if you saw the smile plastered on my face since we recorded that a little while ago, it, it was really cool. It, it really meant a lot to me to get everybody on the line like that. So mm -hmm. uh, I thought, you know, we're running a little long, but I thought we would finish up with a uh, with a good listener story. Uh, interestingly, this is going to be our first listener story that actually airs because Again, we recorded an epic one for 
for Monday. So tune back in on Monday yes. for an absolutely epic one, uh, especially for the video because Kate's face is just, I, I mean, I can't even describe. Yeah, and I touch it all the time too, so feel free to comment on that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was going to give you a hard time about how many times I saw you touching your face today, but it actually hasn't been that many. No, I think I'm getting better, but also We're I haven't learning. left my house. So I feel like I can touch my face if I haven't left my house. So. That's fair. That's true. That's true. All right. So I've got a listener story. And it were, it's an interesting one. It's not from America. Okay. So uh, we've got a European listener who says, hi there. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm so happy to hear you're back. Thank Yay. you. Uh, so I'm trying uh, my poor writing skills, not true, in my second language on a story for you to enjoy. So best wishes from the other side of the pond. Mm -hmm. And here's our story. Once upon a time, long ago, when people were still working with paper files, <laughs> the more senior among you might remember. Oh, and, uh, you know, now with COVID-19, they were all remote. We might never have paper files again. Right. Like, what's paper? Yep. Save the treat. Uh, an employee at a European company had one of the less bright ideas to reduce his workload. You should know that the company had been part of a labor contract, which forbids, with few exceptions, the termination of employees who have been employed at the same company for more than 25 years. Long story short, you need a pretty good reason to terminate someone that senior. Okay. Gosh, I want a job for 25 years that you can never fire me from. I mean, right. imagine what I would wear to the office. <laughs> yeah, no. Yoga Slippers, pants. Yep. Boxers. <laughs> I've already proven I'm wearing pants today, so. Yes. It's not a given, but here we are. <laughs> uh, so one day, one of the office elevators wouldn't work properly, which wasn't too unusual in itself. Uh, the technician who arrived to solve the matter was in for a surprise, though, as he entered the elevator shaft to see why the elevator wouldn't go to the lowest level anymore. It turned out that he couldn't because there was a stack of unprocessed files in the elevator shaft that had been thrown through the gap between the floor and the elevator. You know that little gap that you step yeah, yeah, yeah. over? Somebody took all their files and dropped them down <laughs> and it got to the point where there were so many okay. of them that the elevator couldn't go down to the lowest level anymore oh god i love people oh my god okay so one senior employee managed to lose his job this way <laughs> so that does that is something i guess you can't do <laughs> after 25 years uh we usually keep things quiet around terminations, but this story had no chance of staying contained. No yeah, chance. No, no the doubt. elevator guy, yeah. maintenance guy, is not going to keep that secret. He's going to be like, can you believe what somebody did over here? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way to keep the gossiping away from that. No. Um, uh, and and our, our listener adds that the lowest level where the files were found is such a highly frequented entrance that everybody saw it anyway. Yeah. The story is still around to this day and was one of the first things I learned when I started there. One would think that people learn from stories like this. Oh, no, it happened again? They don't. Oh. Roughly 15 years later, another senior employee, same department, and with the company for more than 25 years, uh, so he, he knew the story, yeah. 
tried his luck with the digital version of the same thing. He saved his unprocessed files tagged with a random number, so they were basically lost. Uh, so within their system, right, he just put, you know, I guess they had a system with file names. That's how you mm -hmm. find files. You get assign them, you process them, you send them back. Well, he didn't want to do it. So he just changed the number to something random so it couldn't really be found again. I guess this is before OCR or other searchable right, documents right, right, or whatever. Right. Um, and it doesn't, our listener doesn't go into the details, but he gets caught Thank and you. was escorted out of the building immediately. So another 25-year employee senior employee hiding work trying to get out of work uh, it's not the elevator in this case no but like the visual that's on that awesome. is amazing yeah right? like, that's awesome. like the elevator goes down and i'm just like visually i was going <laughs> and it's like and then the door opens and the floor is halfway up and you're like what's going on here okay so when i get a handbook oftentimes I, there's a discipline policy and my favorite yeah. are the discipline policies that have like the 37 reasons of why an employee right. can get fired, right? Like you can't smoke in undesignated areas. You need to dress appropriately, like all of these reasons. Right. And I, and I look at my client and I go, bless your heart. You need to know that employees are very creative, that if we have this <laughs> 37 reasons, somebody is going to come up with the 38th, the 39th and 40th. So Having these 37 reasons isn't really helpful to you. Rather, it Not should be something all. like you use good judgment at all times, and that retains their discretion with the employer, and then we can decide, oh, yeah, throwing files underneath the elevator would get you fired. So right. that this is a great example of the employees being incredibly creative and coming up right. with another reason you never even contemplated. And, and that you should have a catch-all provision in your handbook for right. uh, anything else we deem worthy of discipline. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, and I, I imagine, like, I have knighted you stupid and therefore terminated, <laughs> right? <laughs> I have deemed this worthy. Oh, cheap. But what a great story. I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm the elevator guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, if, I mean, years later, I might own that. Right, right. It's so cool. And if it's in a small community, everyone's going to know that, right? right? <laughs> Everybody within the industry will know that. Oh, dude, that was the elevator guy. But if he's worked there for 25 years and you're in a European country, maybe you have a okay pension at that point in time. You're not out looking for other work. So Fair. maybe you maybe you feel like and wear it as your badge of honor. I'm I'm the elevator paper dude. Yeah. Yeah, that was me. Wow. Anyway, awesome thank story. you, listener, for that submission. Uh, if you have stories like that that can beat that, <laughs> send them to us. Even if they can't beat that, send them to us. Right. Uh, we're eight <laughs> Right, we're hwepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I am Mark Alifans. I am about to announce that I'm starting Alifans Law, but I'll probably say more about that next week. Uh, but you can find me at Salad Pants on Twitter and on LinkedIn and all the other places. You can also join our Facebook group, Hostile Work Environment. Find us on YouTube, like, come, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's awesome. Uh, Kate, how can the people find you? Uh, I'm all over the Twitters. I'm K, the number eight, D-I-S-C-H-H-R Law for my handle on Twitter. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn. I have a, I have a, a firm that I've been working at for a while. So it's thrivelawconsulting.com. So hope you all have a really good week. Uh, we'll have more information for you soon. And while you're all home, just think long and hard about what kind of projects you could do at home that you now you're not necessarily putting out a whole bunch of fires so 
what can we help you with any chance we can get so have a good week stay safe stay stay calm stay composed and wash your hands yes please all right bye bye